In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching urds want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Good morning. Today we have a very interesting passage that uh, Paul is continuing his, his introduction to the letter by dealing with uh, our sinfulness. Remember last week we studied about how the law will reveal itself to the rebelling moral sinner and the moral sinner will rely, realize on the day of revelation and the day of wrath and the day of judgment and how God will reveal those to him. And he will know that he has to stand before a holy judge to be judged for his sins. Uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Romans all deal with the same subject. That we are guilty before the judge. Because we are guilty, we need salvation. And then the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4, 5, and 6, we get on talking about salvation. But that's for later. Right now we got to deal with sin and the judgment that comes from sin. See, there's going to be a, a judgment we talked about last week, the great white throne where a person's thoughts, words, and actions will be revealed. And if you're talking about a wicked sinner or a moral sinner that chapter 1 and chapter 2 are dealing with, that actions will reveal your rebellion, the rebellious state of your heart. But the good news is the way of salvation is by faith. But for the believer, the believer's work will also be judged. The believer's work will be rewarded at the Bema seat of Christ. The Bema seat, their thoughts, words, and actions will show the obedience of their hearts to the will of God, which will result in a reward. So there are two judgments that Jesus will do, actually three. Uh, there's a judgment, the Bema Seat, for believers. A judgment, the Great White Throne, for non-believers. And then a separation of sheep and goats into the Millennial Kingdom. So, there will be judgment. You will stand before one of those three judgments. 
And Paul talks in this passage about two of those three. He talks about believers, and he talks about wicked sinners, and he talks about moral sinners. And we're going to get to see that no matter which way you go, the way of salvation is by faith. But the judgment will be by works. The judgment will be by works. Jesus comes not merely to forgive you of your unrighteousness and your sin, but he also empowers you to live a righteous life. He almost does everything for you so that you will receive rewards. He prepares the actions for you to do. He empowers you to do it. He even gives you spiritual gifts so that you can do it. He does everything he can to make sure that you stand before the beam of seed of Christ. Now, there will be some people who will choose sin rather than righteousness. Who will choose sin rather than wanting a reward from God. They'll stand before the great white throne because of their rebellion. That started in their heart and showed itself in their actions. So, we are at verse 6. Verse 6, Romans chapter 2. Who will render to each person according to his deeds? Who will render to each person according to his deeds? How will people of this world be judged? How will people of this world be judged? Now, this is kind of wordy but I want you to get every point here. I even gave you some words in the handout. Here you go. There will be two impartial judgments, two impartial judgments, that all individuals that are alive today will be judged by. All individuals will attend one of the two judgments. They'll be impartial judgments. They'll be by individuals. You won't be judged by a group. You'll be judged on your own. They'll look at your thoughts, your words, your actions, will prove the condition of your heart, and reveal if the work of salvation has occurred while on this earth, or if you're still lost in your sins. There are two. Two. Sorry if that's too black and white for you. But that's how God has done it. Either there will be a reward for the work that God started in your salvation, or you will suffer loss because of your sins. There will be two impartial judgments. God will look at your deeds, and you will be either rewarded or punished. Now notice what the verse says. Who will? Who will? There will be a who will. Who will give to every man as he deserves. Let's call him the judge. There will be a judge. Judgment is going to be done by God. God will delegate his judgment to his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ 
will sit on a great white throne, or he'll sit at the bema seat of Christ, and he will judge. And everyone alive today will stand in one of two judgments. The judgment has not determined your faith or your salvation. For believers, it will reward you for your deeds. For the non-believers, it will punish you for your deeds. The judgment will render to each person what is in your heart. Your heart will produce actions. Your actions will show what your heart is. If you're a believer, you have faith in God, your faith will show actions. Your actions will show your faith. If you're a non-believer, your lack of faith will produce more sin. Your sin will show your heart not having faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4 says, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearance and His kingdom. There is going to be a judge, and He will judge everyone. If you die, you will still stand before the judge. If you are raptured, you'll still stand before the judge. You will be judged. You'll be judged according to your deeds. This is what you thought, you said, you did, therefore proving what your heart believes. The judgment will correspond with your real character by the works you produce. The believer will be rewarded for his obedience to the will of God. The non-believer will be condemned because of his lack of obedience to God. The life that is saved by faith will give evidence of that salvation by doing the work of God. Now, any normal pastor would end right there. But, I'm not normal. (laughs) I'm going to now tell you what you need to do this week to prepare yourself for the coming judgment that you will stand before. Oh, we ought to take the offering after this, huh? Because of all the things you're going to get just by coming here this morning. You know what you're going to get judged about. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Don't you want to know? This is going to be a good sermon. We're going to talk about what is going to happen on your day of judgment. (laughs) You get to know the answers before the test. And it's not cheating. Because it came in a book of instructions on how to live this life. You are going to be prepared. Now, for some of you,
this may be the worst sermon you'll ever get from me. Because you will reject what you need to do. And you, by your own will, will do what you want to do. Which is absolutely the wrong thing to do to prepare yourself for the judgment that's going to come. I'm going to help you. But you can reject it. I'm going to help you. But you may not want to hear it. I may help you. But you will say, eh, maybe when I'm older and I got gray hair and I'm getting ready to die, then I'll get serious. But you don't know when your judgment day is going to be. You don't know the day you're going to die. Because when you die, you don't have the opportunity to repent and place your faith in Jesus Christ any longer. And you will go to a place of torment until you get to a great white throne. And you will bow your knee and praise God. And then he'll assign you to a place in the lake of fire. And you will be there forever. Paying off your debt that you owe to a holy God. Or you can listen to me. And accept what the word says. And do everything you can this week by the power of the Holy Spirit to perform works that will help you be confident in the day of judgment. You ready? You ready? Here we go. You might want to take notes. Romans chapter 2, verse 7. Romans chapter 2. Verse 7, to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. What actions on this earth will the believer need to do to be confident at the Bema seat of Christ? What actions on this earth will a believer need to do to be confident at the Bema Seat of Christ? You're going to stand, if you're a believer, you will stand before the Bema Seat of Christ. It will be a platform, and it will have probably a throne on it, and Jesus will be there. And He will give you rewards for doing the things that I'm going to tell you to do. If you want more rewards this next week than you had last week, you can do these six things. Here you go. Number one, to those who by perseverance, perseverance, number one, you need to display heavenly actions that will be rewarded in God's time. You will display heavenly actions, not earthly action. You'll do supernatural power to do heavenly actions. You need heavenly power to do heavenly actions. The Holy Spirit will allow you to do heavenly actions. And you do heavenly actions that will be rewarded in God's time. So, you can do things this week 
that will get you a reward someday, and it may be a day many, many years from now. And what you need to do in order to get this reward is be patient. Be patient and persevere. Be patient and persevere to those believers who will be judged differently from moral sinners who say they've done nothing wrong and don't need repentance. You know you need repentance. You know you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You will persevere. You will remain under. You will stand firm on a course of action in spite of the difficulties and hardships. You will stand upon the principles of the Word of God no matter what hardships come this week. You will remain true to what the Word of God says no matter what difficulties come because you stand on the Word of God. In this society, it may be a little bit different for people to hear somebody who stands upon the Word of God. But you will believe what the Word of God says and you may be in a spiritual battle this week and you will remain patient and persevering because it's kind of like being in a military if you have a, you like you being in the middle of a battle, which, by the way, will happen if you try to do what the Word of God says to do this week. And if you do it to be getting a reward, you will be in a battle. Therefore, you need to persevere. Being a believer, you have to endure. Being righteous, you have to endure. Being a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to endure. And by enduring and persevering, you stand up for what the Bible says. And in the future, in God's timing, you will get a reward. But wait, there's more. Five more. Here we go. Number two. What actions on this earth will the believer need to do to be confident at the beam of seed of Christ? You do what the Bible says this week, you will be, and you will persevere, you will receive a reward. You can be confident at the beam of seed. And you persevere in doing good. In doing good. Number two, you display heavenly actions that will be declared righteous by Jesus Christ at the beam of seed. Declared good. Declared good. Now this word good is not the word you get everywhere. It is more in line with what we consider righteousness. You do what is righteous. This week, every decision you do, you do the righteous decision. Every week you do, this week, every day this week, you do the thing that will bring the right action according to the Bible. You do the righteous principles of the Word of God. You do the things that are declared good. You do that, you'll be in the middle of a battle. Because this culture doesn't like people doing the good. You will be in a war and you will persevere. Because by persevering, you know you're going to get a reward in God's timing. Maybe the worst week you've ever had, but in God's timing, you'll get a reward. Be patient, persevere, and do the righteous act. You do the good. The believer doing the righteous work at the 
Being a seed of Christ will be declared good. Philippians 1.6, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. The day of Christ there is an indication of the Bema Seat. It's looking forward to the day you get reward. The good work was began at you when? At salvation. And guess what? Every day since then, God wants to see good things from you. He wants to see righteous things from you. Later on in Romans, it talks about being a slave to righteousness. You do the righteous thing. It should be your new nature. It's why God saved you. In other words, you do this week what God designed you to do, the righteous thing, you get a reward. The reason you were saved was so that you could be righteous. You can do acts of righteousness. You do good things, biblically good things, and receive the reward. And he who began a work in you will perfect it. Notice what it says. A good work includes the fact that believers are to continue doing the good works after you are saved by the first good work. You are saved by God's work of salvation so that you will do more righteousness. This week, you go out and do the righteous thing. You have a decision to make. You decide which thing will be more righteous. And you do the more righteous. Third, <clears throat> what actions on this earth will the believer need to do to be confident to be Messiah to Christ? Third thing, seek for glory. Seek for glory. Number word, number three, display heavenly actions that are seeking God's glory. That are seeking God's glory. You do things by the power of the Holy Spirit that seek God's glory. You seek. That's an interesting word. You keep on seeking. Present tense. You continually seek. You are hunting down what will give glory to God. Uh, remember Matthew 18, the, the talk about the guy who lost a, has a hundred sheep and he lost one. He went and sought the one. That's the same thing here. You are seeking to, to get God the most glory in your week. <clears throat> now let's say, let's say, let's say I took the youngest person in the room, okay? And I brought the youngest person up here and I said, hey, I lost my penny. It's somewhere in this auditorium. If you find my penny, I'll split it with you. Now guess what? The youngest person in this room probably wouldn't want to spend four minutes looking for my penny. But if I tell the youngest person in this room, hey, I lost my check that was for $2 million. And if you find my check that's somewhere in this room, and you find my check, I'll split it with you and give you $1 million. Now guess what? The pews would be turned upside down, wouldn't it? Yeah, one child would seek, and the other child would not seek, because it's just a penny. But a million dollars, I'd work a little bit hard. Forget the youngest person in the room. Take the oldest person in the room. They would seek. That's that word. You have to be eager, eagerly seeking this week. 
to do the thing that you'll persevere in, to do the good work, to do the righteous, you will seek God's glory. Will you have that attitude this week, waking up on Monday, I'm going to seek God's glory with every ounce of my strength. I will do whatever I can to get God the most glory today. I will try to do everything I can so that God has the most glory. The glory is displayed with actions that glorify God, that point to Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. The things that will happen this week can produce the glory of God if our attitude is right, if we seek for it, if we hunt for it, if we do everything we can to get God the glory this week, we will receive a reward at the Bema Seat of Christ. We can be confident standing before our Messiah. Fourth, fourth, what actions on this earth will the believer need to do to be confident at the Bema Seat of Christ? Verse 7, for doing good, seeking for glory and honor and honor. I, will I display heavenly actions that will exalt God, that will lift God up, that will make Him on a pedestal, that will somehow be exalting to Him? Will I do things that bring Him honor? Will I do actions that bring Him honor? Will I make Him proud this week by my work? Holy honor is part of the happiness of the heavenly world. Honor is part of the qualities that's attained as a gift from God. I want to exalt God this week, glorifying and exalting Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you have been brought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. This week is a week where you can honor and glorify God with everything you have. Every day this week, you can bring honor to God. All you have to do is put the Bible into action in your life. Take the things you learn from Sunday and put it into action on Monday. And bring God honor. And you will be confident at the Bema Seat of Christ. Because you did what Paul recommended you to do in verse 7. Here we go. What actions on this earth will the believer need to do to be confident the beam of the seat of Christ? Number five. To those who persevere in doing good, seek for the glory and honor and immortality. Immortality. That is, number five, display heavenly actions that will be rewarded with a future relationship a future relationship you will want to display heavenly actions that eventually will re be rewarded with a future relationship you want immortality immortality makes you closer to God in a relationship with God immortality will display actions now that look forward to that future day. You want immortality. Every day this week you desire immortality. 
The holiness and the happiness of heaven is immortality. You want immortality. The qualities that come, come as a gift from God. You want immortality. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and will be changed. The imperishable must put on imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality. You desire to be changed. You desire that your body will be changed. You want immortality. You put that in the primary mode of your head this week, and you will do actions that get, give you confidence at the Bema Seat of Christ. Here, let me go through the Bible. talks about your body being changed to immortality. Your resurrected body will be a recognizable body. Your resurrected body will be a body like Christ's resurrected body. Your resurrected body will be able to eat. I like that one. Your resurrected body will be dominated by the Holy Spirit. Your resurrected body will be unlimited by time, gravity, or space. Your resurrected body will be an eternal body. Your resurrected body will be a glorious body. And because of God's work in your life, you will be able to do these things that cause you to live differently this week. See, the natural man will be concerned about this body. But the believer is not concerned about this body. We're looking forward to our immortality when we'll be changed. That's what we live for. We're not caring about this body. We're caring about the next body. We want immortality. Six, to those who persevere in doing good, seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. What actions on this earth will the believer need to do to be confident in the Bema Seat of Christ? Six, display heavenly actions that will be rewarded with a future unending fellowship with God. An unending fellowship with God. You want eternal life. You want Christ to come quickly. You want Him to come today. You want this to happen now. You desire that His kingdom would come. You pray that His kingdom would come. You pray and want and desire God's to come now. See, a believer has a part of eternal life now. You get a taste of it now. But in the future, you'll have the full experience of eternal life. You'll have the sum and crown of all other gifts in eternal life. Eternal life is already the possession of every believer by faith. Their minds set on the glory and honor and immortality, qualities which come from a close walk with God from eternal life. You want eternal life. Let me give you some information about your eternal life. Life everlasting. You'll have a possession of peace of God that transcends all understanding. You'll have a joy inexpressible, full of glory. You'll have eternal life, divine life, communion with God that cannot be lost. You'll have an eternity where you will worship God perfectly. You will serve God perfectly. You will live in the new heaven and new earth. You will enjoy God in His heavenly home. You'll eternally 
know God perfectly. You'll eternally fellowship with other believers. You will rest. A lot of believers nowadays don't rest. They don't take a Sabbath rest. But you'll rest in heaven. <clears throat> we will reign with God eternally. Eternally we'll never have tears or death or mourning. For eternally we'll live forever. <laughs> Eternal life is peace with God, peace with others, peace with life, peace with ourselves, peace with the life to come. You will have peace. Let's talk about heaven. Heaven is where the throne of God will be. Heaven's a real place. Heaven's prepared by Jesus Christ. Heaven's a place of holiness. Heaven's a place of beauty. Heaven's a place of unity. There's no disunity in heaven. There's no two sides to sit on. Place of perfection. A place of joy. A place that's eternal. Okay, that's in heaven. Let's talk about things not allowed in heaven. I like this. Things that are restricted from heaven. That will never be allowed into heaven. There will never be sin in heaven. There will be no temple in heaven because God will be our temple. There will be no separation between the believer, the worshiper, and the worshipee. There will be union. Humans will be completely fellowship with God. There will be no sea. There will be no tears. There will be no sickness. There will be no pain. There will be no death. There'll be no hunger or thirst. There'll be no judgment upon sin. There'll be no need for the sun or the moon because Jesus will be our light. There'll be no night. Heaven will be, and I use this word correctly, awesome. Awesome. And because heaven is going to be awesome, you can live this life this week with perseverance. No matter what happens to you, nothing will ever be worse than this week. Because you are going to heaven. A place Christ prepared for you. That means it will be the best place for you to be. And God is making it ready. Now, for a believer, that's what you have to do to be confident. If you're a non-believer, you don't know Jesus Christ, if you're a moral sinner, if you go to church because of habit, you go to church because you have to, whatever the reason, if you are a wicked sinner or a moral sinner, there are, well, there's a verse 8. Verse 8. But to those who are selfish, selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but only obey unrighteousness, Wrath and indignation. What are the actions on this earth that will be wicked, that the, with the wicked sinner and the moral sinner will be held accountable by a holy judge of the great white throne? What actions do you have to do to make your place in the lake of fire a little bit hotter? Here you go, number one. You have to display earthly actions. In other words, you have to do it in the power of the flesh. You have to do it in the power of this world. You have to do it without the Holy Spirit. You have to do it by yourself. You have to do earthly actions that will be declared selfish. 
You, 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 you. Do everything to make you happy. Do everything because you're number one. Love yourself. Do everything you can to please yourself. You are number one. You are the only one that matters. This is your life. Live it to the fullest. Do whatever pleases you. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. If you are selfish, that will make your place in the lake of fire a little bit hotter. The wicked sinner and the moral sinner will prove by their bad deeds that they do not belong to God. They will prove by their love of themselves that they don't love God. One day the opportunity for repentance will end when you die. And then you'll have a day of revelation, a day of wrath, and a day of judgment. And you'll realize that you did the wrong thing. The non-believers can contend with the Almighty, resist His claims, rebel against His laws, and refuse to submit to His requirements. Outside the Bible, this term is used, selfish ambition, to talk about a politician who cheats to get his way. Who cheats to get his way. You do that, it'll be warmer for you in the lake of fire. Second, to what action on this earth will the wicked sinner, moral sinner, be held accountable by a holy judge of the great white throne judgment? Number two, and do not obey the truth. And do not obey the truth. Second, they display earthly actions by the power of your flesh that will be declared rebellious. You're a rebel against God. You're a rebel against God. God says the sky is blue and you say, no, it's red. You rebel against God. You do not obey the truth. Disobedience to known truth is again a condition of judgment. It proves you're a rebel. Your deeds will show that you're rebellious. Disobedience to the truth is rebellion. A believer puts the truth in his life and his actions so that the truth stamps him as a born-again believer. A non-believer doesn't do that. He rejects the truth. Doesn't want to hear the truth. Doesn't want to do anything near the truth. And even diff- comes up with a new definition of what truth is. Truth is truth to me. And it doesn't matter what you believe. Titus 1.10, there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumstance, the circumcised. In other words, there are deceivers. In other words, they will try to lie about the truth. And you know a lot of people like that in your life who take biblical truth and lie a little bit about it. Then there are the circumcised, the legalists, who make up rules that you have to keep. And does the same thing, deceives you. <clears throat> you want to get a little hotter. Why did I just choke then? I can preach a year of sermons and not choke. 
But when I'm talking about rebellious sinners, I choked. Funny how that happens. You will not obey the truth. Third, what actions on the earth will the wicked sinner, the moral sinner, be held accountable to the holy judge of the great white throne? Number three, not only not obey the truth, but they obey unrighteousness. Obey unrighteousness. In other words, they display earthly actions that will be declared evil. They will do things that will be declared evil. They will be obedient to unrighteousness. They will come up with new ways to sin. Isn't that the way of our world now? New ways to sin. <clears throat> and if you got a change definition of words, you do it. You come up with new ways of sinning, of evil, unrighteousness. Obey unrighteousness. The expression that yielded themselves in, in quality and sin, they become servants of sin. He's either godly or ungodly. He's either righteous or unrighteous. Evil conduct towards other people and ultimately towards God. Unrighteousness breaks God's law and how to treat other people. And their relationship with fellow men is evil. And they do everything they can to do the evil thing. And they compete against other evil people, try to do more evil things. Verse 8, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath. To what action on this earth of the wicked sinner, the moral sinner, be held accountable by a holy judge, a great white throne? <clears throat> you will display earthly actions that will be punished by a God's passionate inward anger. Display earthly actions that will be punished by God's passionate inward anger anger. God is angry with the rebellious wicked sinner and moral sinner. His heart is evil. He loves unrighteousness. He desires to do things that are wrong. And all that does is build up wrath so that when you stand before a holy judge, he will have an intense, passionate, inner Anger. When you get a parking ticket and you go down and pay the parking ticket and you have to stand before a judge because you have too many tickets, do you want an angry judge or do you want a judge that's had a great morning so far? You want a judge that's had a great morning. But... If you continue to rebel against God, you continue to do your own things, you still have your selfishness, you are number one, you do everything to please you, you do what you think is right, you determine what's right and wrong, you, 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 you're doing nothing but building up internal anger. The word wrath there seems to be talking about an internal anger that builds and builds and builds. Then, fifth, another word, indignation. To what action on this earth will the wicked sinner and moral sinner be held accountable by a holy judge, a great white throne? Here we go, number five. 
you will display earthly actions that will be punished with God's passionate outward anger. Passionate outward anger. God will be angry with you. He will build up the anger inside of him, and he will let that anger out. This is the word indignation. This is when anger comes out, and you don't want a judge who's determining your eternal existence to be angry with you. But if you are rebellious, you're selfish, you are an evil, wicked sinner, because you break his law, he is building up anger. And one day, you'll stand before him, and that anger will come out. And it will last in eternity in the lake of fire. Indignation, passionate anger. The second Greek term here is having an effect upon the Greek, first Greek term, and it's strengthening it. That's the double barrel. You got both of them here. <coughs> both Greek words could be translated in English wrath, but you got them together, so it goes wrath and indignation. You got two barrels here. And all you got to do to fill up these barrels is keep on sinning. Do not repent. Do not confess. Do not turn to God. Do not obey His Word. Do everything you can to break what the commands are in His Word. It comes from a root word of boiling up. You got God boiling up in anger. This is the only time we find this word in the book of Romans. You boil up the anger. Will I warn as many friends as possible that their actions give evidence that they are headed towards a great white throne judgment to stand before a holy judge who will clearly see their sinful heart and that their only hope they have is to repent. Do you have friends that you know by their actions are going to stand before a God in a great white throne? You have the opportunity to share with them the good news because salvation is by faith and they can turn to God. There was a Christian who was visiting a, a man, inviting him to church. Uh, he was sick. And so Mr. Thornton went to visit the sick guy and invite him to church. And he knocked on the door, and the voice came from within, <clears throat> I don't want you here. Go away. And the Christian went away. Next day, he came to the same house again and knocked on the door. Mr. Thornton knocked on the door and said, can I come in? The same voice came from the man inside, yelled at him, and said, I don't want you here. Go away. And again, he went away. Third day, fourth day, fifth day. Sixth day, seventh day, eighth day, 
16th day, 17th day, 18th day, 20th day, 21st day, he came to the door and knocked. And the man who was sick let him in and accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. In this life, you need to persist in doing the righteous thing, the good thing. And you may get turned down this week. You may get turned down next week. But maybe the third week, the person you're talking to will say, I need Jesus Christ. You need to persevere in doing the good. If your life is described by doing unrighteousness, you need to talk to one of the elders or talk to me and we'll tell you how to have peace with God. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for this time in your word. I pray, Father, that you would use this word to change our lives. I pray, Father, for the believers in this room that they would do things this week that will bring you glory, honor, that will preach about your immortality, that will preach about your eternal life, that will preach, Father, about the good things you have, you have prepared for us to do so that, Father, we can do it and be ready and confident on that day of the Bema seat. And I pray, Father, for those non-believers maybe in this room, I pray, Father, that you would help them to turn to Jesus Christ, that they would submit their lives to the life of Jesus Christ, that they would have a Lord and Savior leading their life, that they would not be a slave to unrighteousness, but they would be a slave to righteousness. I pray, Father, that they would turn from their sins and turn to you, because with sin, there's only one result, the great white throne. I pray, Father, you would help us this week to do things that bring you honor, to bring you glory. I pray, Father, that we would do it not in our power, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, so that it would be doing heavenly things with your power, for your glory and honor, that you would be proud of our work this week, so that one day you can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Father, for this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.